just because you do one thing that's different doesn't mean you need to do everything else. That is not a betrayal to either side at all because you are finding who you are. There is going to be someone or some group of people that are always going to understand you and love you for you. Impermanence is something that I kind of struggle with because I want things to be permanent, but I feel so much better after I let it go. And it wasn't a waste of work. It wasn't a waste of time. It served its purpose. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. I have been busting to share this week's episode with you guys, and if you've run into me at all since I met Gabe and Adam last December, I've probably already talked your ear off about them. I was lucky enough to meet this amazing couple during my very quick trip to LA as we were on the same shoot together and had a lovely whirlwind few days as a trio. You can probably already tell that meeting new people and hearing all about their lives is one of my very favorite things, and these two are so fascinating both separately and together. But our time as a trio was short, so you and me both are hearing all the finer details of their ways to yay for the first time, and after this chat, I love them even more. With Gay being born without any limbs and then adopted from Sao Paulo, Brazil to Utah, and both Gabe and Adam growing up in the Mormon faith, which came into conflict later with their sexuality, these two bring such unique and interesting perspectives to this chat on finding yourself and your yay. Then the story of them finding each other is a beautiful one, with their wedding taking place just before we met, launching Gabe into global TikTok fame and consequently a whole new career. I'll let them tell you the rest themselves. They are wise beyond their young years with such beautiful messages about self-acceptance, embracing your uniqueness and building a strong relationship. I hope you're all as inspired and delighted by them as I am. Gabe and Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you guys. For everyone listening, I met this delightful couple during the whirlwind trip to LA in December mm-hmm. for something we're still not allowed to talk about, but I cannot wait <laughs> to share over the coming months. And we only spent a couple of days together, but I just found them so inspiring and I love their energy. And as soon as I left, I kind of missed you guys. In any other circumstance. I would have come over to Utah to do this in person, but thank you so much for joining this way, nonetheless. The next time we're on, you'll just have to come over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did both promise me a tour of Utah's best and brightest. Actually, you know, you guys recommended to me that true crime podcast about the string of murders that was in Utah. (laughs) I listened to it all the way back on the plane and I was like, wow, Utah gets a lot of action. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I know Utah has so much else going for it, including as the backdrop to your love story, which I can't wait to get into. And this is Adam's first podcast ever, so it's even more of a privilege. Thank you (laughs) so much for joining. But first, I kick off every episode with a little icebreaker by asking what the most down-to-earth thing is about you. And particularly for you guys, a lot of people will have encountered you on social media and walked into your life at a chapter where you're married, you have a house, you guys have, you know, got such a strong sense of self which stood out to me very early on, well, like as soon as I met you. But it's easy then to forget that you've been through so many chapters to get here and there will be so many chapters to come as well. And, you know, it's easy to forget that, for example, all three of us appear to be not wearing any pants for this episode. So, I mean, that's something. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. I'm caught (laughs) red-handed. Well, maybe you guys can answer for each other. What what would you say is the most down-to-earth thing about the other one? Hmm. I'm scared to see what you say about me. <laughs> the most down to earth thing about Gabe, I think, well, I don't know if it's down to earth, but just one of my favorite things about him is that he's always looking for opportunities to bring other people together. Like we're always having people over at the house. He's always hyping other people up. He's always like wanting to share what he has with other people. And that kind of helps ground me because I'm always doing stuff, but I'm not with people as often as I would like. Mm. But he's always trying to gather people around him. Adam, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone listening, if you love love, get your tissue box ready. These two are just sickeningly perfect for each other. Most people start bagging each other out, but you guys are just the sweetest. (laughs) You got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Gabe, what's the most down-to-earth thing about Adam? I think the most down-to-earth thing about Adam would be his patience and his level of understanding and care for not only me, but everybody that comes around us and stuff like that. He's always very open and ready to learn and understand people and what they've gone through and what they're still going through and keeping his heart open and his mind open. And I think it's very sweet. Oh, you guys are so cute. It's ridiculous. You should hear everyone else's answers. It's like, he's really gassy. Or like- <laughs> we both have grips on each other right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of those beautiful comments about each other were all made under duress. <laughs> no, I definitely want to get into your beautiful love story. But the very first section of the podcast is called Your Way TA, which is first to trace back all of the chapters of your life even before you met each other, that kind of made you into the people you are today and led to the positions that you're both in today. Because like I said before, I think it's easy to assume that you woke up with this sense of direction and purpose, or you woke up with this sense of confidence and Mm -hmm. knowing who you are to know who you want to end up with. You know, there's, there's so many steps to get there. So I'd love to go back separately into how you started, what your childhoods were like. And I know you both grew up in the Mormon faith, which Mm -hmm. is something a lot of our listeners might not have heard about before. So, Gabe, maybe we could start with you. I know our stories share a common theme of adoption. You were adopted from Sao Paulo in Brazil and into a family in Utah. So, tell us about your beginnings. (laughs) Well, I was adopted at nine months old from a Utah family from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I was born without arms or legs as well. And the family that I got adopted into, they ended up having 13 of their own biological children. And my adopted dad was a seminary teacher for 32 years, which is a institute teacher that goes in and teaches religion pretty much to either the youth 
or even in some cases he went and taught the jails and taught the inmates and stuff like that. So I knew at a very young age that I was gay and that I was different. But growing up in a Mormon household and having my dad be a big, well-known figure within our community and everything was kind of a huge no-no to be gay and to be so open about it and flamboyant. And so there were lots of conversations and stuff like that where I was told not to do this, not to say this, not to act on that. And Mm -hmm. it kind of just became a rebellious phase for me to be who I was, whether that was either secretively or openly. And so I picked my friends very selectively knowing whether or not they'd have my back in understanding that I can only express myself with them and in certain moments, but with other people, it kind of has to be very gated and guarded. And I came out to my parents when I was probably in the seventh grade for the very first time openly, verbally with them. And they instantly shot it down and told me that it was not going to happen and that they were not okay with it. And I tried again in high school, still the same circumstances. And then when I turned 19, I decided that I wanted to move out on my own because I wanted to live a life that I wanted to live, not the life my parents wanted me to live. And they always taught me to be extremely independent, despite having no arms and legs, and always taught me to only rely on people when I really needed them the most. And so I became very independent mentally, emotionally, and physically with doing everything on my own as much as possible. And so when I did turn 19, I thought that I was ready. And so I texted my parents and I was like, you know what, I'm gay. I'm moving out. Either you're going to get on board. And if you don't get on board, then this will probably be our last moment seeing each other really. Because I don't want to keep faking that we're cool when we're not cool. And it was a huge eye-opening moment for my parents that, you know, well, we really did put so much blocking into our relationship with you because we didn't want you to be a certain way, but we also taught you to always follow your heart and be who you are. But the second you want to, we instantly tell you no, mainly because of our religious beliefs and what we felt comfortable and safe with at the time. And so that really opened up and broke down a lot of boundaries that my parents had set for me and our relationship with each other. And now as a 23-year-old adult. Quick interruption. I did not know Gabe was only 23 at this point until he had said that, and it blew my mind. As you will hear, he has so many insights and experiences at such a young age. I'm nearly 10 years older than him, so go Gabe. Our relationship is everything and more that I ever even thought it would ever be because now I'm married. And when I did get married growing up, I always thought that I'd do it all by myself and none of my family would be there because they all grew up Mormon. And I thought that they would always just follow what my parents did and what my parents said. And so on my wedding day, I got super emotional to see all 14 of my siblings and my two parents and my nieces and nephews all a part of my wedding with their spouses and everything. And it just was so beautiful to me to have their support and their love on that big day. Oh my gosh, Gabe. (laughs) That is just so beautiful. I hadn't actually realized when we first met, uh, obviously you guys have been talking about just having been married and I didn't know that you'd both grown up in the Mormon faith. And I think it's a really beautiful story that it is possible, even if initially perhaps it doesn't go as well or as quickly as you might have hoped when you first share your sexuality with your family, that you can get to a place where 
it can be celebrated together. You you can have your family members at your wedding and for anyone else out there who for reasons of religion or any other reason, perhaps a stricter family or for whatever reason, if they find themselves in a position where their support network isn't on board straight away, I think mm-hmm. it's really heartwarming to hear that that can change over time, even if not straight away. And I know that there are people who may be listening or watching that don't have the freedom that we have and the luxury that we have of finally having our families on board with our relationship and with us as individuals living our lives as who we are. And I know that when I was in those moments, I relied a lot on my friends instead of my family because those were the people Mm. who would support me and loved me for me and, and weren't trying to change me or talk me out of it. And so if you have those kind of people, then definitely stick to those people and know that sometimes it may not be in this life for your family to really truly understand you, but Mm. there is going to be someone or some group of people that are always going to understand you and love you for you. Oh, that is so beautiful. And a, a really good reminder that for some people, it takes a while. For others, it might not be ever in this lifetime that you get the acceptance from your family that you might hope for, because we all have different values and perspectives, but that you're not alone in that experience either. And I'm so excited you have the platform you do because you are such a good spokesperson and role model for this kind of feeling And, and something else that you're an amazing role model for, which is even more inspiring, I think, is that I asked you, you know, about your childhood and the challenges you faced to get here. And the first thing you answered was, about coming out as gay. It wasn't about having no arms and legs, which seems like the more obvious kind of defining feature of your identity. But from the moment I met you, it just wasn't. And, <laughs> you know, Adam came with you, but he was basically not necessary. <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't need him to do anything. And we didn't talk about it. I didn't know what Hanhart syndrome was until I looked it up for this interview, because it's just not the at the forefront of the experience of meeting you. And I think it's for that, you're a wonderful role model that you didn't treat that as the first part of you, the most obvious part of your answer, because I think people tend to ascribe a part of your identity as the main thing that's interesting about you, but it doesn't have to be. And I love that. Exactly. I think you're, you're a really good role model for that. But of course, it is part of your identity. So can you explain what impact it has had on getting you to this point and, and what the condition actually is? Well, Hanhart syndrome is a birth defect that only affects one in one million people um, just here in the United States alone. And so what it is, is it's a birth defect that affects the arms and legs or fingers and toes or your jaw to be malformed or missing. And in my case, it's not having any arms or legs at all. And I know that there are some other people that I'm friends with that still have some form of foot or toe or arm still attached to them, but mine's completely rounded off on all four limbs and everything. And honestly, I personally have not found it to really affect me just because I grew up learning that this is who I am and it's not going to change and I don't need it to change. I need to just grow with it. And so a lot of people are always thinking that it's always going to be a physical challenge for me all the time. But really, I grew up like this from day one. So I don't know any different. And when I was younger, I went to speech therapy because I had a cleft palate that was inside of my mouth. And they didn't know that because usually your cleft palate is out on your lips where you can kind of see it more. And so I wasn't eating, I wasn't talking, and I was about two years old here in the United States. 
And finally, we had somebody come over to our house and they shined a flashlight and they're like, oh, he has a cleft palate, but it's within his mouth. And so I had to go get surgery on that. And I was also doing physical therapy, learning how to walk and go up and down the stairs and stuff like that. And there was a place called Shriners Hospital here in Salt Lake City, Utah, that takes care of people with different walks of life. And one day we were leaving, it was just my mom and I, and I was sitting in the back seat and there was this veteran that had gone across a crosswalk in his wheelchair and he was missing part of his leg. And I looked out my window and I was like, man, that is so sad. And my mom just stopped and she's like, why is that sad? And I was like, because he was born with arms and legs. And then randomly one day he was without them and is having to start from ground zero where for me, it's been my entire life. And now he's having to start all over. And my mom was like, whoa, because I was probably only like five years old when I had that realization. Oh my gosh. It didn't really hit me mentally and emotionally how different I was until junior high. And you get into the big fishbowl with all the piranhas (laughs) that are willing to eat you alive. There were lots of days that I would come home sobbing my eyes out and locking myself in my bedroom because I was so mortified with the way that I looked because of the people around me telling me that I wasn't good enough and that I was a waste of life and blah, 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 blah. And as a seventh grader, you give into those and you believe them because you know no different. And you also don't want to reach out to your parents and tell them that you are being bullied and stuff. But I also had a brother who was the same age as me that was seeing a lot of this. And he was six foot seven. And so he would go and stomp out the bullies and everything. But like, don't pick on my brother. Or he'd be like, why don't you just run them over with your wheelchair? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run them over with my wheelchair. Which I definitely did a few times. But, um, there were lots of conversations that I'd have with my brother. And he would just always tell me, you can't listen to those people. You know who you are. They don't know who you are. They're very immature, blah, blah, blah. But I ended up having to switch schools because it was getting so bad on my mental health. And I went mm-hmm. to a charter school that focused on leadership and personal growth. And that really built me as an individual and prepared me to go back into the public school system, which got me into doing dancing, which was a huge creative outlet. And I think it's very useful for somebody who is different than everybody around them to have some sort of creative outlet, whether that's art or music or dancing, something that they can have that's their very own, but also brings Mm -hmm. a community of people that share that love and interest to help build them up and show them that these differences are what makes you a person. And so my senior year of high school, I was on the dance company team and we took a dance to state, which was a dance that I choreographed all by myself, which was about myself and people who have limbs who constantly think that I need help, but I don't need help. And so I came out on the stage in a push wheelchair and I get out of the push wheelchair and then they put me back into the push wheelchair and then I get back out. And then we start dancing into sync and we realize that it's okay to be different and our differences are what make us shine and everything. And so I was trying to copy his movement, even though I didn't have the limbs to show it, I was doing it in my own way. And then he was trying to copy my own movement with his limbs. 
and show that at the end of the day, really, we all have a disability, whether that's mentally, physically, or emotionally. And as society, we need to learn to express those and show that it's okay to be different. And the beautifulness is in being different. It is so needed and so wanted, whether that's with religion, sexuality, disabilities, whatever it may be, to be shined and shown that being different is okay. And right now on social media, I'm learning that it's not being taught very much within schools or in the workforce or anything like that about other people being different than the person that you are and learning to celebrate Mm -hmm. that and own it and really love another person for being that. So that's why I love that I have the platform and the voice that I have on TikTok, even though some days I want to crawl in a hole because the comments are super out of this world. Oh my God, it's crazy. Teaching me and making me learn and grow and have more empathy for other people who have it far worse than I do. And it's what keeps me wanting to go more and more and Mm. show that it's going to get a going to be better again at some point kind of like that Beyonce song I was here and I want to make sure that I was here I was known (laughs) I was seen and that I made my imprint on the world and showed my difference and expressed that and shown other people that it's okay and you are absolutely doing that I'm so excited that you have the platform you have and it's grown so much because I think you are really spreading that message for so many people and that's what this show is all about that your life and what makes you yay in that life is meant to be fundamentally different to everyone else what's one person's joy is another person's nightmare and the world wouldn't work if it was any other way And what's interesting is that a lot of people who have come on the show have that same experience as you, that their difference, whether it's physical ability, gender, sexuality, or race even, when they're younger, they don't even notice really that it's a difference. Kids are just so innocent. They see the world in a particular way. And then it's later in life, in high school, in that piranha's den, that (laughs) we learn that difference is bad. We learn that behavior to think that we need to suppress the things that make us unique, which means it's something that we should unlearn, which I think is where you, you as a role model really come in and are doing some wonderful work. But before we get into how you propelled onto the scene and built the platform that you have, Adam, it is your turn. What was your childhood like? What was the Mormon faith like for you? I read that your first job was actually in Domino's and then now you've ended up in nursing, working Mm -hmm. in hospitals. And I know that the past couple of years must have been an absolutely manic time for you in that role. So tell us about your path, (laughs) yay, I like to call it. Yeah, so growing up, there was a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface that I didn't realize wasn't normal, you know? So I'm not gay, I'm bi. And so I just assumed everyone was the same because I grew up with undiagnosed like anxiety, like just a bunch of just turmoil, I guess you could say. And so I just, you know, like you were saying earlier, we're blinded by our own experience. I thought everyone had the same experience as me so that everyone was attracted to everyone, but people just had (laughs) straight relationships because that's, you know, how families, I grew up in a traditional family. That's how you have families and you move on and you move forward and everything. I didn't realize that some of the things I did as I grew up were like coping mechanisms. Mm. I would sneak out of the house not to do anything like scary or illegal it was to go, like <laughs> run two or three miles just to like get rid of some ex- excess energy or there'd be nights where i'd sleep 15 20 minutes but i'd 
wake up, go to school the next day, like nothing was different. I grew up with migraines like almost every day. Like it was just, you know, I just thought everyone dealt with it the same way I did and pretend not pretended like it was okay because to me it, it was okay. And so when I went on, like, like you're saying earlier, I grew up LDS. And so I went on an LDS mission to South Africa and that kind of threw me in an environment where I couldn't do a lot of those coping mechanisms. Adam, sorry to interrupt. What's LDS stand for just for the listeners? It's the shortened <laughs> version of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is nicknamed Mormon because they read the Book of Mormon. So it's like, an, it's just another nickname. Right. <laughs> so yeah, LDS stands for Latter-day Saints. Which now they have changed it to where you have to say the full thing. Yeah. Well, they, they recommend it. They don't yeah. like make <laughs> You have to. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of details. They want it to be like more known. One of the rumors of the LDS church is that they don't worship Jesus or God. It's Joseph Smith. So they just want to make sure that Jesus' name is in the name so that doesn't get lost. But anyway, so yeah, I grew up LDS. So I went on the LDS mission. I lost a lot of those coping mechanisms. And so that like anxiety, the turmoil, everything just bubbled up to the breaking point, you know, that a lot of people have. Fortunately, I was in a space where a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the like impulses to cause self-harm or like just escape and like all these things I wasn't able to do. So I was able to come home and get the help I needed. And it was just Mm -hmm. kind of a really weird time in my life because that was when I was 20, I was a whole different person than I was before that. I did everything I did before that wasn't necessarily expectations that I was trying to meet. Instead, it was just going with the flow, saying, oh, everyone does these, but they just do something else instead. And I was I was okay with that. But coming back home and finding the help that I needed, learning that we all have different experiences, learning that I don't need to feel this way like I'm an actual like person myself and it's okay to be that really opened up a lot of opportunities for me and it really allowed me to be able to find out who I was because I didn't know who I was before I was a product of the people around me and so it was really cool to be able to just kind of try something and give myself the opportunity to be honest with myself for the first time to be like, do I actually enjoy this? Or am I following the impulse of those around me again, you know? And so when Gabe and I met, it was a really cool time in my life because I was very secure in myself. I had started dating men and women. Like I never really dated before I was 20 either because it just, you know, I had other things I was doing. It just wasn't a big interest. But then it was interesting in that aspect too, because I'd get a different reaction when I was telling a story about a date I went on with a boy versus a date when I went on with a girl. And it really Mm. frustrated me. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where there's more to us than this one specific part. Like Gabe, we were saying there's more to him than just what he looks like. And then mine was, there's more to me than just my sexuality because it wasn't about the date when I said, Oh, he and I went and did this instead. It was like, wait, you date guys. That's, yeah. And then they started going like, yes, queen, like all this around me. And I'm like, that's not, 
<laughs> That's not cute. I don't want that. <laughs> I am not the queen in this relationship. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <gave it>. yeah. <laughs> I actually remember when you told me you were bi and you were like, when I was younger, I just didn't know that everyone wasn't like that. And I just had this image of you and you're so sweet just being like, why can't we all just love each other? <laughs> <laughs> a little hippie baby. Yeah. yeah, a little hippie baby. Yeah. Like, why can't we all just get along? Peace, love, and happiness. Peace, love, and happiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you still like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that whole attitude is what, like, Abe was saying earlier, how he likes how I'm trying to learn about people. It's, I didn't know there was other people out there. I thought it was all me in a different shell, you know? And so it's just oh, really yeah. cool to be able to, like, learn about other people and, like, see if what they're doing is something that I want to do too. Like it's just been a really cool experience the last like six or seven years. This last couple of years with COVID though has really kind of shaken that. And so I think I'm about ready to start another, like finding out who I am. And it's like, I haven't lost who I am. I, I'm still really like myself, but it's really hunkered me down to just like doing mm. things around the house. I don't have that urge to go hang out with my friends like I used to or that urge to like go to a concert or even like go anywhere public and so <laughs> it's gonna just be any people just yeah. anything at all <laughs> so yeah so it's gonna I be, think we all feel like that yeah mm -hmm. it sucks <laughs> but it's gonna be fun we're all gonna be rediscovering it together I think Totally. I love about both of you that a lot of people come on the show and their pathway is all about, and first I was five and I wanted to be a doctor. And then I got to six and I was like, no, I want to be a teacher. And then at nine, I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And then I became a lawyer. And like, it's often <laughs> their identity is so wrapped up in what they do, not who mm. they are. And the original reason why I started Seize the A was because I want to know who people are. I don't want the first thing that you say when you meet someone to be, hi, what do you do? It's, I want it to be, hi, who are you? What do you find mm -hmm. interesting? What are your values? What do you want to, you know, what do you want your legacy to be in this world? But mm -hmm. I didn't have to ask either of you that because you both first went into who you are and what you do is not really even figured into the equation, which I, I just find so refreshing because it's so rare that productivity isn't your entire personality or lifestyle. It stresses me out. I don't want it to be my whole personality. <laughs> my whole lifestyle. Like, but that's, that's so good. Like, it's not the other way around. <laughs> Which is kind of how it should be, right? Work is, you know, we have, I think this generation has this idea that you have to be passionate about your work, otherwise you shouldn't be doing it. But mm. sometimes work is just to support the life of who you are when you're not working. It shouldn't necessarily mm. be the other way around, but it's become that. So I love that you guys have such a healthy, like a head on your shoulders about the separation between those two identities. And, and before we go into how the chapters have sort of merged since you guys have met and fallen in love and on very typical gay time have done it all in like 12 months, which I think is amazing. time. <laughs> <laughs> People here get married so quick. My parents, their first date to their wedding day was 90 days. <gasps> they were engaged two weeks after meeting. Oh, my God. Well, you guys have Utah and gay time. So, it's like Utah yeah. gay time. It's just like, so you might as well have done it in like two days, you know, just get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. <laughs> but before we move on to the love story, I think what's really interesting with you two is you both grew up in the Mormon faith and seem to have had very safe and loved childhoods and still get on with both of your families, even though you've since come out. 
I think a lot of people assume that if you leave a tight-knit community united by values, whether that's religious or otherwise, but particularly religious, that it's black and white and that you would be, you know, like, I'm so glad to not be Mormon anymore and to leave going to the church. And, you know, I think it's not that simple. I think it's possible to move on from a chapter of your life and maybe not be part of that faith anymore, but not regret it either and not think that none of it was good for you in that chapter. I think you can move on from a chapter without regretting it or without thinking it wasn't the right thing for you then. So do you guys look back on, you know, being part of the raised in the Mormon faith fondly? I think there's a book, uh, God, what's it called? Educated by Tara Westover that that covers that gray area really well. Um, so it's kind of hard for one thing too, because like you're saying, a lot of people do think it's black and white, especially here in Utah. Because there's such a dichotomy, 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 (laughs) because as like growing up in the church, you're told that it's the only true church and you're kind of, this is kind of stretching it. So don't take this like word for word, but there's a lot of phrases that are part of the church that when you're, you're a kid can kind of be taken as a, a victimization of themselves. And so it becomes Mm. a very much like them and us. And so when I saw a lot of my friends like start to leave the church and explore other lifestyles and other things, it was very like we're one way and then we have to swing all the way. We can't just like dabble and find out what is ours or not. It's all acceptance either way. You can't Mm. be somewhere in the middle and that was really hard for me too because that was my first reaction i still have a very good relationship with my family and with the church's like the membership maybe not on the whole but like i do think the people around us who are members of the lds faith are trying to do their best with what they have and so i don't ever like hold it against someone if they mention that they're a part of the church or what. I just don't go to church. I've never been a very religious person. I've been spiritual, but I don't like ritual. I don't like, I call it some poetry, you know, or some scripture because a lot of that can get lost. The meaning behind it can get lost in the words or in the motions. And I want to feel things for what they are instead of for what I expect them to be, you know? And so that was something that I had to break through as I was figuring out, like I mentioned before, if I liked something or if I didn't, that I didn't automatically swing all the way the other way like (laughs) some of the people around me have. But I guess my advice for those people that are listening that feel like it is all or nothing, like it doesn't have to be Uh, just because you think or you expect or the people around you have enjoyed something doesn't necessarily mean you have to participate and just because you don't participate in something doesn't this is this is a lot of words that i'm trying to like put piece together at the same time but just because you do one thing that's different doesn't mean you need to do everything else and that's not a betrayal to either side that is not a betrayal to either side at all because you are finding who you are, you're not finding out anything else besides that. 
So true. And I think something that I try to emphasize on the show is that life really unravels in chapters. It's not just one book where you have to decide something when you're young and then stick to that for the whole rest of your life. Like, or you choose one career and that has to last you forever. Mm. It's okay if you close one chapter and start a totally different one without regretting the one before or without thinking that there was anything bad about it or casting judgment on it. It's okay if you know, that did serve you well when you were younger and then you you just decide, okay, this isn't me anymore and you close it and you slowly move on to the next one. And yeah. same with relationships. It's the same thing. I think it's possible to not want something anymore without regretting it and I think a lot of people would struggle with that concept, mm-hmm. particularly in terms of something where their values change as they get older and then their values are no longer consistent with an mm-hmm. earlier chapter. They tend to not be able to acknowledge that it, there are good things in some tougher chapters mm. that you end up leaving. Yeah, impermanence is something that I kind of struggle with because I want things to be permanent. And so, like, I'll try to set things up for what they are. And so when it's time to let go of something, <laughs> I'm like, that should have been permanent. And it's just, <laughs> like, I work so hard for that. I don't have to let it go. But I so feel so better after I let it go. Yeah. And, it wasn't a waste of work. It wasn't a waste of time. It served its purpose. And now it's time to upgrade, you know, like when the new phone comes totally. out, you need a new pair of shoes, like <laughs> work with it, like just mm-hmm. enjoy what yeah. you have now. Enjoy the new. I always say nothing is ever a waste if you learn something from it. So even if it was a chapter that you absolutely hated and you never use that skill set again, it, if mm-hmm. it teaches you what you don't want, that still gets you a step closer to what you do want. Yeah. So a lot of people look back at chapters of their lives and they're like, oh, I was, a, you know, like me, I was a lawyer for did 10 years of my life studying to get there. And people are like, do you think that was a waste of time? I'm like, absolutely not. I wouldn't be where I am without that 10 years. So how could I ever regret, even though I didn't stick with it, obviously, like how could I regret that? It taught me what I didn't want and it made me who I have mm. become. So yeah, I think if you look at life that way, you live without a lot of regret because you're sort of like everything has a purpose in getting you in all those little <laughs> dots connecting, which connected so beautifully when your paths collided. The ultimate pathier to each other. How did you guys meet? I hear your first date was like a proper like 3 p.m. to 2 a.m. situation. Mm-hmm. Next minute, Adam drops to one knee and has proposed, <laughs> and then you're having the wedding of the year. So <laughs> you guys meeting each other is like a fairy tale. Like I feel like you're both just two jigsaw puzzle pieces that fit each other's everything so well. And that, from the minute I met you, I was like, these guys have something so good. Like you have such a good balance between supporting each other in each other's things, even though they're so different, but also having independence. Like I love that, you know, Adam, you go hiking and Gabe can't always go hiking with you, but you pick a flower for him every single time you go on a Mm -hmm. hike, which I just think is so beautiful. Like little things like that, you guys have so much independence, like, and Gabe has his whole TikTok career, but Adam's kind of like part of it, but like not because that's, you know, I don't know. I just think you guys have such <laughs> a perfect match. So tell us the love story and how you got to this beautiful moment today where you're renovating your house together, which is why Adam <laughs> has paint all over his hands yeah. and face. <laughs> so the time that Gabe and I like met and first started talking, uh, it was actually on Tinder, which is kind of embarrassing, but it's the greatest. <laughs> It's 2020. Well, it was 2020 when we met. Yeah, it was 2020 when we started talking. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's the 2020, like it's the new normal, I guess, to meet online. But Totally. It's how it's done now. <laughs> I had just gotten out of a relatively long relationship and had been single for a minute and thought it would be good to get jump back in the dating game. And so I was w- walking on my way to work and I pulled out Tinder and he was the first face that popped up. And I started scrolling through his pictures and I just had that like jump in my chest and in my throat knowing that this was someone that that was important. I, it, it didn't tell me that it was, you know, soulmates yet or anything, but it was definitely like that feeling that I get when I'm about to meet someone that's going to be important to me in my story. And so I like was looking through his pictures again because I was going to swipe right, but got that feeling not yet, which I thought was weird considering the other feeling I had just gotten, right? And so I was like scrolling through his pictures again. And that's when I noticed he didn't have arms or legs. And anyone in that situation would have the whole like, is this a deal breaker moment? And so like I mold it for a minute. I was like, no, absolutely not. Whatever happens, happens. Like we'll just, we'll just, we'll just take it as it comes. And so I worked all day that day. Then I went to bed that night and then on to work the next day, like exactly 24 hours later, I had that feeling to just pull out my phone and swipe. So I pulled him up. He was still, I had screenshotted him. I had like done everything to make sure I could oh find him God. if he had disappeared. And so I swiped right and it was a swipe and type, you know, like you swipe right and it's an immediate match <laughs> and you type. And so. No, I don't know. I've been with my husband since before the app, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I made up the phrase swipe and type. So I don't even know if anyone else knows what that is. So it's fine. <laughs> but, so it was a swipe and type. And so I did this cute little message and he immediately responded which I think set the energy for the rest of the relationship. It was just like immediate back and forth. Like we were just like, just getting to know each other. It was, it was a great time. I had a trip planned that weekend. And so our first date wasn't for another week, but after we had been dating for a little bit, we decided to look back at our messages and he had snuck a message in before my first one. And so his was a swipe and type too. We had swiped at the exact same second. (gasps) (laughs) Oh my God, that is so cool. Yeah. So we know it was meant to be. There's something or someone out there like forcing us together and it's been perfect. Oh my gosh. And and I just love so much that, you know, people are like, oh, love at first sight, like doesn't really happen. But obviously I think when you're really connected to someone, it does. Mm -hmm. And when you can turn that into a conversation and then turn that into a date and then, you know, like I, I understand the whole like why waste time, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. It's like if you found someone that you love to spend 24-7 with and who makes you mm-hmm. feel like a better person and opens up the world to you, like why are you going to waste time? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how was it for you guys? Because I think if you haven't lived with or had a close friend who's had a physical disability before, I feel like the first time you broach a lot of things, like I think some of my friends who have physical disabilities or who can't do certain things independently but can do everything else independently, Mm -hmm. I get kind of awkward sometimes about when I offer help or when I don't offer help without seeming like, you know, without doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You just want to do the right thing. You don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. The first date and then how that unraveled into like we're we're dating and then we're Mm -hmm. moving in together. How did you guys navigate all that? That's another one for you. Another one for me? Okay. I guess I'll keep doing all the talking. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was was something that I, I, I thought about, you know. My go-to first date has always been a coffee shop because we can both drive there independently. We've already paid for our drinks and so, and it's public. It's safe for both people. 
because one, I, I don't want the other person to feel intimidated. I don't want to feel intimidated. And if they suck, I can leave. Like, it's not like we have to wait for the check <laughs> and like, have to drive home awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was the coffee shop date and I was, I had to pick him up, like, obviously. So I went and picked him up and I just tried to make it as normal as possible. And I told him right off the bat too, I was like, just, just to kind of help me know his limitations and give him a window of opportunity to explain them to me. I was just, I'm going to assume you can do everything until you tell me you need help. Oh, good. Yeah. And so I just kind of, you know, made it like anybody else. The only thing that I did of my own volition was push his wheelchair. Like that's the only, and open doors, but that's something I would do for any date at the time. And then if he needed something, he asked for it. And I think that's kind of just how it's been our whole relationship. Not that I'm like, do it yourself, but it's, <laughs> I'm just going to assume um, you can do no, it until you can. do it. <laughs> yeah. And I've been surprised because I've had to do hardly anything. <laughs> So, you know, the dishes. You literally said that to me. Yeah. The first time you were like, um, like I do no things, basically. Yeah. Like. I fold laundry. Everyone is always surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I could fold laundry too. I just don't like oh, You can't? Okay. Well, we've got to, we've got to reset oh the doors now. Oh my God, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, how about you? I feel like you seem so balanced and after, I'm sure, having done a lot of work, feel very secure in your abilities and have so much independence and have obviously, I mean, guys, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to because the story is just so interesting. But if you haven't seen Gabe on TikTok, he does make up better than 95 to 99% of the population without arms, can put lashes on. Like there is basically nothing you can't do. And I love, I asked for Gabe's email to send him the questions for this interview and it's limitless, but like limb itless, which is just amazing. I love it because I'm like, he is limitless and limbless. So, this is just amazing. (laughs) How did you get to a place where, and I think everyone has this situation in relationships often where the gaps that we find in ourselves, we often try and fill them with other people when we're first dating and it's hard to just figure out who you are, be comfortable in you and then find a healthy relationship in that. Did you ever find like that you were, you've sought validation in other people? Has it been awkward for you the first time you go on a date and you're explaining what you can and can't do? Like how have you navigated the dating world and what was it like then to meet Adam and be like, this is my person except when we get married, he can't take my name because then it'd be Adam Adams and it'd be really exactly. awkward. <laughs> I still think it would be cool as hell, but he thinks it's not the vibe. <laughs> Adam Adams is such a vibe. Isn't it would be it? AA. It would be amazing. And when I go back to school and get my degree, I'll be Dr. Adam Adams. Like how <gasps> rad would that be? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I believe it could still happen. (laughs) Anyway, Gabe, how has it been for you and what was it like to meet your person? Well, I first started dating when I was probably like 15. And so I kind of wasn't new to it when it came to Adam. But still, everybody gets those butterflies and what if he doesn't like me? What if this goes wrong? Uh, What if I'm too heavy for him to lift? What if he grabs me awkwardly to pick me up? What if I fall out of my wheelchair in front of him? And all these different things oh, in my on like the first date, not just with him, but a bunch of other guys and stuff like that. But one thing that stood out to Adam 
when we were dating, like on our first date, we went to that coffee shop and in that coffee shop, you could play games. And I was like, oh, I don't want to touch any of the pieces with my mouth. This was before COVID too. Yeah. So it's not just like COVID. I'm just a germ like, freak in general. If it was during COVID, it would not have been in a coffee shop in a public place with yeah. germs and pieces to touch. Like, <laughs> yeah, just uh, just to throw out there. If I don't own it and it's not like mine personally, I won't touch it with my mouth. But if it is mine, then I'll touch it with my mouth because I know exactly where it's been. And I keep yeah. my own stuff my mouth. <laughs> And so we walked in and we started to look at the game selection and everything. And Adam, without like asking or anything, just straight off the bat was like, hey, could I get a cut for him to play this game to like roll the dice and everything? And I was like, oh, wow, he's already thinking like two steps ahead of me of like, how could he play the game and everything? And so that really stood out to me. And then when we were driving home from the coffee shop, it was probably like what, 4.30. Something, yeah, a couple so hours later. Early. And I thought he was just going to drop me off at home and go on about his day and never really talk to me again, because that's what I was used to in the dating scene were guys just being curious of what it would be like to go on a date with me or try and get in my pants and do all these things. But with Adam, it was completely different. And so we started driving back to my house and I was like, well, it was really fun to see you. Thank you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you're done, right? And he's like, oh, no, I want to like come over. Let's hang out more. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was living with my brother and my sister-in-law and their four kids at the time. And so I texted my sister-in-law because I'm super close with her. And I was like, hey, my date's going to come over. And she's like, oh, perfect. I'm making a big meal for dinner. He should stay over for dinner. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to stay over for that. <laughs> oh, my God. You met the family on day one. Uh, none of this was expected, by the way. You know, like I, I go into every first date giving it the option of being longer or as short as five minutes. And so this was just like going with the flow. Like I genuinely wanted to like meet everybody and see his life and get to know him a little bit. And well, a lot, a bit. But <laughs> At the coffee shop, we FaceTimed my mom, my aunt and my sister because my sister at the time was serving a LDS mission a few states away from us and so every tuesday we get a few calls mm-hmm. with her and so we happened to do the call at the same time we were at the coffee shop I met everybody. and so we met my mom and my aunt and my sister <laughs> that day and then we went to my house that i was living at with my sister-in-law and my brother and when he, we first walked into the door i hadn't asked him to stay for dinner yet it was my sister-in-law was like hey do you want to stay for dinner and i was like would you like to stay forever and he's like yeah <laughs> sure. so like, sorry okay. just kidding <laughs> and so then all the kids were like, jumping on him and everything and it like really stood out to me that my nieces and nephews really liked him as well and he was really good with them and patient and fun with them and so it's like oh okay that's kind of cute and then my 13 year old niece at the time was like you guys want to go watch kardashians downstairs with me and i was like yeah sure and adam had never seen the kardashians really so we started watching the Kardashians and we like bench probably like six episodes. Yeah. And then he was getting ready to go at like two in the morning. And I was like, well, it was good to see you. Thank you. And he's like, oh, I'll be back tomorrow. And I was like, tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, I just got to go home and sleep and go to work and everything. Then I'll be back. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, do you want to like have an actual sleepover? And I was like, um yeah sure and so in my head i was like freaking out i was like 
oh my gosh, he's going to see that I snore. He's going to see this. <laughs> I knew that he was definitely a keeper. And then later down our relationship, before I had ever met him, when I was, I think, 16, I had a dream about the guy that I would marry and what my wedding would be like and everything. And it was always a guy waiting for me at the end of the aisle. He had glasses. He had brown hair. He was cute. He was funny. But his face was always very blurred out. But I always <laughs> envisioned what I was going to wear as well for my wedding outfit. So I sketched my wedding outfit years and years and years before our actual wedding. And I just needed somebody to create it for me. And so a few months before the wedding, I reached out to a bunch of designers on TikTok that weren't like super well-known. And um, seven of them got back to me out of 10. And there was one that I just instantly connected with that was from California. Mm -hmm. And she was the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest person I've ever met in my life. And I sent her my designs and everything. And she's like, oh, I could easily delete, not delete that, (laughs) design that. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? And she's like, oh yeah, for sure. And so we like went over design details and then we went and met each other. And it was very cool because it was also during the height of COVID as well. And so we wore a mask. We met in a hotel. Adam went down to the lobby for like two hours while we did the dress fitting and everything. And we just really connected through uh, dress fitting and everything. And walking down the aisle, it didn't hit me during the wedding, like prep and everything that I was about to marry the man of my dreams and that this was my dream wedding. And I was going to have everybody that I loved and wanted there, there. And so walking down the aisle, I was probably just a few steps from Adam and we both locked eyes and I think it hit us both. And we both start getting teary eyed and choking <laughs> up. And <laughs> I told Adam months before the wedding, and I was like, if you don't cry, while I walk down the aisle, I'm going to turn back around and we're going to have to roll up all again. I cried the whole night. (laughs) Then I was like, in the moment, I was like, wait, I can't cry. I have makeup on. It's going to smear and everything. But I got to Adam and wiped my teeth. You wiped your teeth. I knew he was going to complain about his makeup if I didn't. (laughs) Such a diva. But yeah, it was definitely my dream fairy tale wedding. And I'm so happy that all the pieces connected and that I had. Adam to be my forever spouse and my family there and his family there and a few close friends and everything. It's just super cute. Oh my God, you guys, the wedding photos and videos and you showed me the sketches and your fittings and it was just gives me goosebumps like watching you guys dance and I think you posted a video the other day of Adam putting you into a dip in the middle of one of your dances and it was just like you've like thrown your whole head back and it's just this beautiful romantic moment that just looked (laughs) so filled with joy but also propelled you into internet fame now as this incredible creator who has also become very, very well known for your outstanding makeup skills. You now have what? How many millions of followers around the world? 2.2 million or 2.3? Oh, you hit 2.2? Mm-hmm. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> Stop! So what has that been like? Like I feel like a lot of people build their audiences gradually over time and they have time to adjust to what it means to be in the public eye. Like they get small increments and as they grow, they get a tribe and then they, you know, get to figure out trolling and they get to figure out content and managing balance between real life and content. Like they have time to do that, but because it's happened so fast for you and for both of you as a unit, like people love you together. 
how have you adjusted to that? How, I mean, obviously mm. it gives you a wonderful platform for visibility and to spread your message about embracing your difference and uniqueness, but I'm sure it also comes with challenges as well with privacy and dealing with some of the terrible people who live on the internet. You know, how are you adjusting to this fame all around the world? Like you literally said to me when we were away, I'm obsessed with this couple, <laughs> Pia and Kane from Australia, and I told them and they were like, yeah, we know Gabe. <laughs> and then like all the way from Utah, you know, this Australian couple's like, yeah, we follow them. Like that's insane. Honestly, I know it's super cliche to say, but it really happened over a few nights and it all happened on our honeymoon, really. And we had our honeymoon in New York and I think it was probably like our third day, really. We went to go walk around like the tracks mm-hmm. in New York and there's like this bridge that's like built into tracks that people can walk and tour around. So it's a, it's a, it's stuff. called a park that used to be a subway thing above ground. And so they have tracks on it. That's why he's calling it. Tracks. Oh, I know. Like, um, it's the High Line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, in that's Chelsea? It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were doing that and there were a bunch of people that would stop us and be like, you're that couple from TikTok. Oh my gosh, we just saw your wedding video. Oh my gosh, we just saw your husband throw you in the pool. Oh my gosh, you're the <gasps> makeup artist. Oh my gosh, you do this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And it's like, what the heck is going on? And the funny thing is that Adam had also posted uh-huh. wedding content on his. And, and I, for about six hours, I had more views than he did. So I was like, who's the influencer now? <laughs> like, I was so proud of that. And then like, like, after four hours, he immediately like doubled it. <laughs> and I think it's at like 64 million views or something now. Insane. And even just coming home, it didn't hit me um, like mentally and emotionally, like how far I had come in just months time until all the real negative comments came in. And I know that people who don't do social media always say, don't look at the comments, don't look at the comments. But as a social media influencer, it's part of your job to kind of see how people are taking your content, whether they love it or they hate it, the good and the bad. And it's going to take some toll on you mentally and emotionally um, because sometimes it's content that mm-hmm. I really, really, really love and I pour my heart into it. Like there was one that I posted that was about my sexual abuse story and coming out of that. And it was instantly flooded with negativity and being made fun of and having stitches and duets of not even the fact that it was sexual abuse, but the fact that I was born without arms and legs and my physical disability. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. what a lot of my videos have been about. And sometimes it's not even about my sexuality. It's really just the fact that I have no arms and no legs. And people think that it's so funny to call me a nugget or a VeggieTales character or this and that, this and that. So I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm on the TikTok Creator Fund and I'm also under management from the UK and I will let my content go for about three days. And then after that three-day mark, I will turn off duetting, stitches, and commenting because after the three days, I get my bag of money. And (laughs) as dirty as that sounds, it's worth it to me to be able to make a living and know that I somehow deserve the income that I'm coming from, the negativity that comes out with it. But also, there is always a lot of positivity that outweighs the negativity and you just have to find it. 
And that's within the LGBTQ plus community, the disability community, the Latinx community, and just other people that really want to love and understand the appreciation of what I do on a daily basis, whether that's showing my independence, like going up and down the stairs, there are a lot of comments like, why would you buy a split level home? Um, is your husband going to carry you up those stairs? And it was a big conversation with him and I that if we were going to buy a stair home, I was going to go up and down those stairs. And it's not that I learned to go up and down the stairs in one night. I'd been going up and down the stairs my entire life, but we moved into an apartment where it was just one floor. And so I wasn't having to go up and down stairs for a year and a half. And I kind of actually missed it. And when we moved into this house, my bathroom, or I guess our bathroom, oh. I like to have my own bathroom. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. It's not a walk-in shower. It's a tub-shower combo. So I have to use a stool outside of the tub and then a stool inside of the tub to get in and out. And at first, we're like, well, we need to rip this out and turn it into a walk-in shower so it's easier and more convenient. But now having it, I'm like, no, I actually love that it tests my independence every day of having to get in and out of the shower. Even if it takes a few more steps and a few more minutes, I enjoy and appreciate the hard work that I've had to do over the years to get to where I am physically, to get myself up and down the stairs and in and out of the shower and up on the toilet, off the toilet and dress and brush my teeth and brush my hair and do my own makeup. And I think um, when I was living at the apartment, I kind of took that all for granted. And I didn't realize that until we moved into this house. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, I actually really, really appreciate all the hard work that I've done over the years. And it, I don't really give myself that pat on the back because, once again, it's my everyday life. And so it becomes the everyday norm for me. I don't second guess. I don't second think it or anything. And when I was 18, I went to New York Fashion Week and I walked as a model. And I went there all by myself. I traveled there all by myself. And when I first told my parents, I didn't tell them until the day before I left that I was going to be going there on my own. And they were freaking out and everything. And I was like, no, it's going to be fine. You guys like got me to this point mentally, physically, emotionally. Like I'm ready to do it. I want to do it. And they're like, okay, well, just leave your phone on. Don't talk to strangers. Stick to yourself. Don't drive. Don't ride a taxi, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. I definitely broke a lot of those rules my first day there. <laughs> I rode a taxi. I talked to strangers. But um, <laughs> I was doing that. And the whole reason that I was doing that um, fashion show was because they were about showing people with all different walks of life, whether they're blind or missing limbs or amputated limbs or in wheelchairs or whatever it may be that makes them stand out differently. They were getting showcased in the fashion community and making noise that not every body is the same and not every piece is going to be easy for somebody who is different to be able to put on. Like for me, I need elasticity wear in my pants and underwear for me to be able to put it on by myself where some people need a magnet where the button is so that they can flap it open and stuff and be able to get themselves dressed and undressed. And I was getting ready to walk the runway and they played the song Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars. And I was 18 years old and I had never pat myself on the back for all the hard work that I had had and gotten to. And it instantly hit me and I broke down emotionally and started sobbing as I was getting ready to walk the runway. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I am 18 years old 
walking New York Fashion Week all on my own. I get myself dressed. I get myself in another shower. I did my own hair and makeup. I really, truly made this happen for myself. And I'm so proud of myself. And I got home to my hotel and I called my mom and I was like, I just want to thank you so much for all the tough love that you've given me because none of this would have been possible if you would have babied me and never let me really grow and saw my potential long before I could see it myself. And I just really appreciate that and love and respect you and dad for always pushing me and knowing what I was truly capable of. And even now I'll go to her house and sometimes she gets frustrated because there's things that I'll be doing and She's like, do you want me to help you with that? I'm like, no, no, I got it. I got it. And she's like, well, it would just be faster if I helped you do it. And I was like, no, I got it. And she's like, okay. okay. <laughs> but yeah. And that just plays a huge oh. role in Adam and I's relationship as well. Going back to the independence and him learning what I can and can't do on a daily basis. I think we both shock each other with what I'm able to do. Like there's times that I'll call on the phone. And I'm like, I can't do this. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, never mind. I figured out how to do it. (laughs) I think that's the same in all relationships. Like you guys are an acute example and a visible example of something we should all take into all of our relationships in that really subtle balance between really supporting and facilitating the best life for your partner that you can but also giving them the space to figure out some things by themselves because when my husband's around, I won't even try because I'm like, you know, (laughs) I I won't try something. Like I won't try something scary if he's there because he'll – pick me up and be like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, like we've done, there's an example. We went to India and we were hiking in the Himalayas and I at the time hadn't really hiked that much and he got food poisoning and he couldn't come. So I did this like multi-stage long day thing in 50 degree heat and like with water, like it was vertical scrambling and when he was there, I would have A, burst into tears, sat on the floor and had a massive tantrum and not gone any further and turned around and then and he would have had to nurse me back because I would have been like, oh, that's so scary. I hate it. But when he's not there, I'm like, independent woman, I got this. Like, and I think that's the thing that stood out the most to me about you guys was this beautiful push-pull of support, independence, support, independence that I thought everyone needs that in their friendships mm-hmm. with their parents to the children like every relationship could benefit from that dynamic and i i think you're just such good role models and i love that you have a platform now to show that because we all need a bit more of that we all need a bit more of just just give it a go like i love when you were like i'm just gonna adam was like i'm just gonna throw a game in the pool like let's just see what happens you know well, it was no, like, that was actually and- his idea that was the thing <laughs> yeah there's there's a pool there and he was like i think i want to jump in the pool and i was like are you sure one your makeup two your outfit three like it's gonna <laughs> one be- your makeup yeah, like- <laughs> three your no limbs but one yeah. your makeup i was like are we getting ahead of ourselves because sometimes he'll like do decisions and then he'll be like oh wait no never mind and so i wanted to make sure that he Hell, wanted. Drowning. but he was like no it's such a trend right now everyone at their weddings are jumping in the pool at the end of it and i was like cool let's do it then and then and I then I got it. roasted for it on the internet too because everyone was all like, "You just threw him in there. You're just but letting him." Don't <laughs> understand that I've been swimming yeah. since I was four years old. That was one thing that my parents made sure that I was able to do because with not having arms or legs, my body overheats really easily, and so they instantly found out that going to the pool was something mm-hmm. that we could do as a family, but also give me that time to cool off 
and that I wasn't going to be held when that was in the pool. I needed to make sure that I was able to travel in the pool. And so I got to the point where I was going off the diving boards. I'd go off the low dive and do backflips, or I'd go off the high dive, Mm -hmm. even though I'd get on top of the high dive and I'd stand up there for like 20 minutes. And everybody at the pool would just sit there and stare at me. And my dad's like, either you go off or I'll come up there and kick you off. But it's your choice. Mm-hmm. And so then my siblings would like start to climb up the ladder to pretend like they're going to kick me off and I'd hurry and jump off. But I always <laughs> loved to test the norm of what people think I can't and can't do and prove that I can do it or I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the last question that I finish every episode with, because I love quotes so much, as you guys know, is what is your favorite quote? I used to be a quote person. Now I don't like keep them in my pocket anymore. I do have anymore. your quote book on my makeup desk, though. But I do have one. <gasps> do still. you really? I do. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. Your makeup desk is insane, guys. You have to go and watch Gabe's makeup tutorials. They are, like, I just can't even explain. I barely know how to use foundation, let alone like setting powder and like all the fancy things, contouring. I don't even know where to draw the line. And Gabe has no arms and literally draws the most precise, beautiful contoured line in the entire world. I just, you blow my mind. You're like (laughs) dexterity with your shoulder is insane. It is really crazy. Sometimes I impress myself. I'm like, did I have to do that? Was somebody helping me? (laughs) (laughs) Also, quick random question for TikTok because you guys know I'm like trying to like figure it out. Mm-hmm. So when you do the hectic makeup transitions, like do you go out after or do you literally just do the video and then just take it off? I come home from work and he's laying in bed with it full face sometimes. Like <laughs> there are sometimes that I am. You know how lashes because the white ones started getting makeup <laughs> so now we have black ones. No, this is the bts of tiktok life it looks super glamorous but really like mm-hmm. adam comes home from a full day nursing in a hectic healthcare system and gabe's just sitting there with like euphoria makeup hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing like grand theft auto with euphoria makeup on i love it <laughs> yeah. you haven't given her quotes yet though before you oh, yeah what are your quotes, quotes. yeah we, that's like your whole big whole thing too mm. so i'm not really big of a like i i used to be more into quotes than i am now but uh, one that's always stuck with me is one that my mom would say all the time. And it was, and I, it kind of fits the vibe too, which I think is fun, but it's something that I always have going through my head. It's, and it sounds awful at first. It's, I don't care what happens to you. It's what you do about it. That's such a good one. And it's, it's, it's really good because it's really put into perspective. Some of those things where it's like, this sucks. Like, oh, but like, what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to fix it? Or are you going to like, do better or if something great happens it's like what are you going to do about it like are you going to share it are you going to like enjoy it and revel in it like it's it really put a response to some things and that's what's locked a lot of cool experiences in for me i love that so much because you know you can't control a lot of what life throws your way good or bad but it's really what you do about it and how you action that that makes a difference between a really yay filled life or just sort of existing and coasting along i love that quote so much for mine it's more of like a slogan slash motto that my mom instilled in me at like a very young age and she'd always make me say it when i never wanted to say it but it was, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it with a smile on my face. And I feel like saying that just makes a lot of the things that you don't want to do a lot easier. And just when you do it, always smile because it just makes it a thousand times fun. 
Totally. Those are both very on brand for CCA. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. <laughs> you nailed the assignment. <laughs> I think we've all had a really hard start to the year where we thought going into the third year of this madness, you know, things would be going back to normal, including our motivation and energy and drive to try new things. And I think all of us have found ourselves coming up a bit short. So if anyone has been sitting there needing a kick up the butt to think, Whatever that thing is that you think you can't do, you can probably fucking do it. Listen to these guys. Like, I don't think there's a better example going around that you can just push your limits and see what happens. And if you've got the right support network around you, you can achieve your dreams and beyond. You guys are absolutely extraordinary. Thank you so much for joining the show. It was just so nice to see you again. And you continue to inspire me every day. Thank you so much for having us. This was so fun. Yeah, this was awesome. And it was really sweet to be able to see you again. We got to catch up more often than, you know. I just can't wait to share you with the world. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I just love these two so much. They are so wholesome and so grounded. I can't believe they're only in their 20s. And I'm just so pleased to have met them. Please go and have a look at Gabe's incredible TikTok videos. He blows me away by his makeup looks and how he puts lashes on without limbs better than me it is absolutely insane the link to his page is in the show notes if you enjoyed the chat please shower these guys with love or share and tag us and them and anyone else who you think might benefit from this conversation so we can reshare and keep growing the neighborhood their tags are also in the show notes i love it when the neighborhood ramps up the interaction on socials after an episode and in real life which has happened a few times lately nothing makes my life more than being stopped on the street it happened in noosa the other day it just makes me want to cry it makes me so unbelievably happy to connect with you guys beyond just knowing you've listened because the download numbers go up the messages and hilarious photos coming through after our galentine's episode just made my week we had a lot of otters and a lot of really hilarious bestie photos so keep those coming along with anything and everything you guys know i love me a dm back with Ange again for the next dose of years of our lives so stay tuned for that in the meantime i hope you're having an amazing week and a seizing your yay.